this is Ben Smith, I'm a photographer, and this is my podcast, A Small Voice, Conversations with Photographers. Thanks for listening. Hi folks, this is Ben, you are listening to my podcast, A Small Voice, Conversations with Photographers. Welcome along. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're doing okay. It's not easy, I know. It's getting pretty difficult, to be honest. I am a little bit stressed. To be honest, there's a bit of an opportunity here because now that I'm recording my interviews remotely, which was not something I ever used to do, as you probably know, I kind of have a chance here to talk to all kinds of people who I wouldn't otherwise be able to talk to. So, in a way, that is quite a nice thing if I'm looking for the silver lining in the cloud of this current situation. But I'm just trying to get the motivation, really, because I'm finding it a little bit difficult at the moment. Anyway, I hope you're not finding it too difficult, and let's just try and crack on, I guess, as best we can. Um, This week on the podcast, I am happy to welcome, as my guest, John Tonks, uh, John, very recently, uh, off a cruise ship from somewhere down in the South Pacific Ocean, but don't worry, he's all right, no corona, and John will uh, let us know a little bit more about that situation. Uh, he is now back home in Bath, in the southwest of England, in sort of self-quarantine, but um, clearly well. So I'll introduce John properly a bit later. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping. What do I have to tell you? I know it's a bad time to be talking about money, but uh, if you do want to support the podcast or indeed if you want to sign up for the new exclusive fortnightly members only episode, which is available on the Wednesday that this free one does not appear, then you can sign up for £5 a month at pod.fan to access that member only content. Or you can just be a supporter for £3 a month, which is roughly the price of an expensive cup of coffee, as you know. And um, on that special members-only feed, for the time being at least, I'm going to be bringing you all some kind of guest check-ins, some coronavirus check-ins with various people who I have spoken to on the podcast in the past over the last four and a half years. I'm going to be giving them a buzz and finding out how they're getting on and finding out how the social distancing is going and finding out how they're getting past the whole nightmare of, uh, well, having the children at home for a start is one issue, and uh, the uh, kind of um, learning that has to be happening remotely in the house. If anyone's going completely insane already, then I guess uh, I don't know what it's going to be like in time to come, but it'd be good to hear from people. Maybe uh, we can all kind of uh, comfort each other in the knowledge that um, we're all in it together. And, um, for instance, on that episode last week, I caught up with Vanessa Winship and Sean Davey. And then there also will be um, additional content in the form of 20 questions that all the guests now get answered at the end of their main free interview. And uh, John was no exception, so you'll get John's 20 additional questions on next week's member-only feed. I may do some of these coronavirus check-ins on this, the free feed, in which case there might be an episode on the week uh, that this one isn't, if you see what I mean. In other words, there might be one a week, but I'm going to see how it goes. 
So if you do want to sign up as a member, then please do go over to pod.fan and uh, do that. What else? This episode, of course, is brought to you by the excellent Charcoal Book Club. I did hear from Jesse Lenz at Charcoal Book Club. And um, as you all probably know by now, the Chico Hot Springs Review portfolio review out there in Montana, which I went to last year, and which I was most looking forward to going to, was of course cancelled, as has been everything else. And uh, good to know that Jess is already planning on rescheduling that for uh, September 2021. So it's a, a kind of long time into the distance. Feels like it anyway, but um, at least we know that that's going to be happening and when it's going to be happening. Anyway, as I say, this is brought to you by the Charcoal Book Club, the first and only book of the month club dedicated exclusively to photo books. Each month, Charcoal works with the most respected names in contemporary photography to select a first edition monograph that is a must-have for every collection. Each book arrives signed by the artist along with a note card and a print from the esteemed guest curator with free shipping to the US, Canada and the UK. And all that along with members-only pricing in their online bookstore and more makes the Charcoal Book Club the best and most exciting way to stay up to date with essential work in contemporary photography, especially since we're all now at home, sitting around, um, trying to find things to do, looking at photo books. I tell you, that can bring you some comfort. So I'm so happy to be a member of the Charcoal Book Club and uh, still get that one book a month come through the mail, as long as the mail is still operating, of course, which uh, it certainly is here. And I imagine uh, is in the United States famously efficient system. Anyway... You might have noticed that I'm just kind of rambling this week because I just I could hardly even bring myself to write the intro. So I'm just kind of making this up as I go along. I hope that's OK. But it's the only way we're going to get it done this week. And then from now on, from after this week, I'm just going to lock in a little bit, I think, and just really make an effort to kind of make the most of this opportunity to speak to people remotely. And uh, let's get some... Uh, you know, some people from far-flung corners. In other words, some people in the United States, for me, um, that's uh, kind of far-flung, considering I'm on the other side of the ocean. And uh, whoever else, I will be um, getting in touch with people the best way I, I know how. In the meantime, now John Tonks is a British photographer based in the UK. His work focuses on telling stories about people's lives shaped by history and geography. John has an MA in Documentary Photography and Photojournalism from the London College of Communication and his work has been featured in the New York Times, The Guardian, The Sunday Times, The Telegraph, the FT Weekend Magazines and the British Journal of Photography and many more. He's been shortlisted for the Taylor Wessing National Portrait Prize three times, twice for the Terry Neal Award and in 2014 John was presented with the Vic Odden Award by the Royal Photographic Society for his first book Empire a journey across the South Atlantic, exploring life on four remote British overseas territories. The book was hailed by Martin Parr, no less, as one of the best books of the year. John's work is now in a number of private collections, both in the UK and abroad, including the Hyman Collection of British Photography and the Houston Museum of Fine Arts in Texas. So John, um, as I say, was um, anchored down at home in Bath in uh, southwest of uh, England, his other half, Steph, had been um, sent off to her parents in Cornwall just uh, you know, for the sake of safety because John had come back through a number of major international airports on his long journey from the South Pacific where he uh, disembarked the ship early. I don't know why I'm telling you this because he's about to tell you this himself. Here on the podcast, please welcome John Tonks. <laughs> Hello, uh, I'm good. I'm all right. I've got a cough, so I'm self-isolating. Oh, dear. 
But I've had the cough for a while, to be honest. I, I'm pretty sure it's just a cough. How are you feeling? <laughs> um, kind of similar. I don't have a cough, uh, but I had, I, well, I sort of felt a bit rough after the cruise ship experience. So I kind of came back and, you know, it's like you, on a cruise ship, you, you're quite open to uh, all sorts. It's a bit of a petri dish for disease, isn't it? But Yeah, well, uh, it's funny. It's a, it's a well-known uh, thought that um, that's the case. In fact, I was just um, actually looking that up to see if it is actually true <laughs> because <laughs> you know i guess it is you know it's it's like this confined space with lots of people from different places and um whether it's a myth or not i don't know but it seems to be it, that it is true so you weren't feeling too good when you got back from that oh uh, well i mean to be quite honest if i'll, I'll explain myself a little bit so uh when i disembarked the ship it was in uh, rarotonga and I kind of had a, a very short amount of time to decide whether to stay on it or whether to get off it. And I thought I'd cut my losses and, and leave. So I, I got off the ship. But the sort of day before, I'd been feeling like I had a little bit of a cold. And then uh, so I got off the ship and flew from Rarotonga to Auckland and then spent two days in an air-conditioned hotel, followed mm. by sort of 35 hours of flying oh my God. In, a, in a bloody you know, uh, air can well, you know what aeroplanes are, they're just recirculating the same air. Yeah. Uh, we may need to do some explaining here to the, for the sake of the listeners, because they're, they're going to be lost already. Absolutely. So <laughs> let's just back up a bit. So you have recently been on a cruise. Rarotonga, that's somewhere in the South Pacific, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, so also known as the Cook Islands. Oh, the Cook Islands. So, and you, you were supposed, you weren't supposed to get off the ship there. You were supposed to go on to New Zealand or somewhere, were you? The ship was meant to continue on to Tahiti, and then I was going to get off in uh, Papeete, and then fly to LA, and then fly from LA back to London. Right. Okay. But you got off a bit sooner than you were intending to. Yeah, I I got off, I suppose, two days sooner than I was originally meant to. And okay. it, it, you know, the, so the ship left Auckland, and then just after a while, we the news started to feed in. So we'd we'd start to hear we'd visited Fiji, and then we carried on, and then we were meant to visit Tonga, uh, and Tonga said no, you can't come in. Uh, they closed their borders to cruise ships. What date are we talking, roughly? Oh, date wise, so I left. It was the first of March. I got on the ship in Auckland. So I flew down in late Feb and then I got on the ship on the 1st of March and then I was on it for, and I got off on the 13th in the end. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th of March. Okay, so that was exactly the point at which I think a lot of people woke up to the reality then. I mean, I, I can date it myself because I'm, I'm always trying to piece it together, but I, I kind of woke up on the 10th of March, which, you know, was quite late in comparison to some people's realization so you were right in that at that exact moment when i think it became obvious that this was a, a serious issue what was the mood like then were, was there a lot of fear and loathing <laughs> on the no, ship I mean, it, was, it was kind of the opposite and it, it was there's obviously a, a huge amount of uncertainty for people and the hygiene levels on a ship are, are, are always pretty up there anyway so you know we'd find 
you'd, you'd walk around the ship and they had these automate, automatic hand sanitizer dispensers. Mm. I'm, I'm just looking at my knuckles now. There's just there's no skin on them from how much hand sanitizer I use. And we'd walk around the, the ship and the, the, these dispensers. Uh, and so that, you know, we, we every time you went in for a meal, it would be use hand sanitizer. Every time you left a, a bathroom or a, a, any kind of new room you went into. And then as the as it progressed, they eventually started to ask a member of staff to stand next to the hand sanitizer machine to point at it so that you knew that you should be using it. Mm. Uh, and so it's sort of, you know, there was increasing levels of, of uh, hygiene um, monitoring and all the handrails were being, uh, you know, sort of wiped down systematically every hour or, or more. Uh, and, and you could kind of start to see that there were, people were taking it very seriously. Mm. Uh, but luckily there was nobody ill on the ship so it was yeah backwardly the safest place to be yeah so it's a kind of a so far so good and obviously you know the the people whose job it is to keep everyone happy uh you know the paying passengers and um, the last thing they want to do is um you know spread some kind of panic or, mm. or or indeed you know alert people to the fact that um they're kind of uh much uh, looked forward to holidays and being marred by the prospect of uh, something very serious happening. So now I've been on this very ship, as you might know, um, and, and until, yes. la- until last year I wouldn't have even had any concept of what it was like to be on a cruise ship. But let's Me explain... Either, to be honest. Yeah, right. Let's explain to the listeners what um, it's about then. Well, you give it a go. Why were you on this cruise ship? Why? Why was I on a cruise ship? Everybody kept calling it the Corona Cruise before I left England. Uh, everybody I'd speak to, I'd tell them what I was doing and they thought oh, I was mad. So even um, before you left, it was something that people were obviously flagging? And be- well, because, uh, of, because of the, there was the ship that had been uh, held in a, a Japanese waters uh, yeah. with, with people aboard with, with the virus. So uh, I think the idea of being aboard a ship and quarantined like that i think was uh obviously not the best for people right uh nonetheless but you so that was before you even left you were aware of all this going on oh absolutely yeah you know it's all throughout february i think i was very much monitoring it and wondering if it was all still going to happen and and whatnot and then the speaker that was going to replace me on the ship didn't go Uh, so you know i think a lot got cold um, so yeah, you you were invited as a speaker. This is a a, a sort of program that's that's run by this particular cruise company, uh, which yeah. is Holland Holland America, and um, they um, invite various kind of I suppose you could say experts, or they they invite various people on to um, give uh, presentations to their. Uh, passengers you know in an attempt to sort of in- inject a bit of uh, culture into the proceedings I suppose you'd say and uh, this is uh, organized uh, as far as us photographers go this is something that a guy called Ben Brain shout out to Ben uh, who's also a photographer kind of uh, he's the kind of uh, intermediary between the the cruise company and and the photographers who've been invited on board and I was very lucky to be one of those people and I was on on the ship uh, last September, and I went to Japan, which was amazing, and some oh, of the fantastic. some of the South Pacific islands that you then kind of visit, heading essentially to Australia. Yeah, wh- where did you get on then? So for me, I, I flew down to 
Well, Auckland. Um, I so I, I sort of landed in New Zealand, and I had uh, one night in a hotel, and then I was to get on the ship the next day. Uh, actually, uh, Peter Dench had been on the ship prior to me, so we kind of high fived and and had breakfast in Auckland, which was yeah. uh, kind of a funny experience. But it was great fun to catch up. He, yeah. he kind of filled me in on uh, what to expect, uh, and then and then I, I dragged my bags and got, and got on. Um, right. And then we left Auckland and headed for Fiji. Wow. Uh, we, had, we had a couple, another stop at sort of the northern tip of New Zealand, and then we went off towards Fiji. And sort of, how was it for you? Would it, I guess, you know, in a way, because you have to give a number of talks uh, over the per- over a period of a, a couple of weeks, I guess. Um, but you're no, you're no stranger to... Um, maybe not the, the the South Pacific, but more the the South Atlantic, because you've you, you've done a lot of um, work, you know, in some very isolated communities, and you did your main uh, your book project, um, which came out a few years ago, I think twenty thirteen, um, basically around the uh, the visits that you made to I think four different islands. So was that kind of one of the reasons that you were being asked because there was a sort of connection in a way uh you, you know you could talk about your experiences of having visited some of these places because a lot of what it's about really is you know a lot of the the passengers on these ships are kind of broadly speaking interested in traveling in, in traveling to some some of the more kind of less obvious places yeah i think i think the the, the travel element was quite important you know it's, it's kind of i mean you're really there telling stories and uh, you know and and from my perspective doing all of those journeys to some of the islands around the south atlantic i mean I, I have actually also been working in vanuatu over the last four or five years which is south pacific mm. um and yeah it, it it's kind of a, an opportunity you know to go over and, and tell some of those stories and uh it, it's just kind of strange being there as entertainment uh, uh, and uh, for for the guests on the ship, but it, it was really good fun actually. In the end, was it? Did you, broadly speaking, enjoy being on there? Because you know it's kind of a, a weird mixed bag of of experiences. I found anyway. Yeah, it's you know I think for people that have not done it before, you know, I, I really didn't know what to expect. The, you know, the previous ships that I'd spent time on, you know, I travelled out to uh Tristan da Cunha for example and that was on a, a cargo ship so it was half cargo half fishing vessel uh, and, and so the you know there the just weren't facilities there was just a small cabin for, uh that I shared with some other, someone else um going up to St Helena was a sort of semi cruise ship experience it was much smaller though there was only sort of a couple of hundred people on it and then you fast forward up to, to this and it's kind of a, a thousand plus people. And this is actually considered a small cruise ship as well. Yeah, I, I know. think you can get some with 4,000 people on it. <laughs> I know, uh, it's crazy. I, I just can't get my head around at all. But So yeah, you're kind of thrust onto this ex- experience where, uh, yeah, you're kind of trying to orientate yourself around, you know, uh, around this enormous ship. And the, the really funny little things are on the carpets. You might remember this, Ben. You know, there's there's a picture of the ship with an arrow pointing forward, <laughs> yeah, so that you know which way you're going. <laughs> yeah, because um, you literally don't know which direction you're facing. In otherwise, it's very weird. Yeah, and then in the lifts they have these mats uh, where they where it tells you what day of the week it is. So you get in the lift to go up 
to breakfast and it tells you that it's Monday. And <laughs> which is so funny because you, when you first get on the ship, you think, why on earth would they do this? And then after kind of four or five days in, you think, yeah, I've just got absolutely no idea. <laughs> and then just to make it even weirder, we crossed the international dateline. Mm. Um, so we did Tuesday twice. <laughs> you know, properly yeah. spun me out, and uh, it's very know, strange. I, I, and then I flew back across the international dateline to go back to Auckland. So I kind of I gained a day, and then I lost a day. Uh, mm. Yeah, so trying to keep tabs of that was it was interesting. Yeah, and um, what I found interesting, or well, one of the many things I found interesting, is that a lot of the kind of regulars on these on these cruises really spend quite a large percentage of their time doing it. Um, you know, some people are kind of on a kind of perpetual um, cruise experience. Some of the, um, you know, they're mostly almost all, all retired people, and uh, yeah, they just they just kind of go from from one to the other. Um, you know, they, they spend more time at sea than they do at home. Did you did you find that to be the case? Did you talk to people who were like that? Yeah, absolutely. You found that you started to get to know people pretty well, and uh, you know, you started to get people that would come to your talks, and they, you know, they, you know, they'd really get into it, uh, and so you started to find out about their lives a little bit more. And, mm. and yeah, absolutely. They, you know, they were. Uh, I met one couple that I think they'd been on. I might be exaggerating here, but I think they'd been at sea for sort of six months or something. Yeah. I, I just don't know how they, well, they obviously got a lot of money, but you know, they mm. got this amazing setup. Where, um, they'd obviously paid for, you know, all inclusive. So they sat at the bar drinking wine and the bar staff had just topped the glass up when it was half empty. So they, they were just on this cruise for 10 months of the year or not, sorry, six months or whatever it was. And, uh, it's you know these bottomless glasses of wine and whatnot <laughs> just, I, I just couldn't quite get my head around it but yeah, yeah. you know one of the talks i did i i when i let's say i was talking about maybe the, the falkland islands or something you know i'd stand up and I'd, I'd ask people if they'd been to the you know if they'd been anybody had been to the islands and uh, when i mentioned the falklands nearly the entire audience put their hand up mm. you know and I, sort of, I looked at them and just said, well, why on earth am I here? Yeah. You know, uh, well, that's the and, point, isn't it? Because, you, you know, they are, they are bizarrely well-traveled in the sense that, you know, because they're on these ships, they go to places that n- n- no one else would ever really go to. So for once, you're talking about people, or you're talking to people who've been to, to these extremely uh, unlikely places that you have um, spent your, t- your your last few years photographing so for once it's like oh, thank god there's people here have been to you know tristan de Kooner or whatever yeah but the, the 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 funny thing i mean i actually met quite a lot of people or a, a small group of people who had traveled to tristan de Kooner specifically uh, and they got there and the weather was so bad they had to turn around and go back again oh my god so they, yeah. they'd done a week at sea got there uh and then they said oh sorry you can't get off the ship and so uh, to make them feel better, some of the islanders came on came onto the ship and told them a few stories, mm. and uh, I think sold them a few Tristan da Cunha knickknacks, and then they went back again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite funny. That would kill uh, me. I'd, I mean, I think more than a couple of days at sea is enough before before you've then you know they can then get a port day and get a chance to get off the ship. I think I would go pretty stir crazy. Did you find? boredom to be a problem at times no not at all no i I kind of i kind of like these situations they're really social 
and yeah I mean, what's what's been really odd is uh, I, I was sat there thinking about it this morning you know I've, since because i've been doing so much travel i i, I came back to to bath and i've just locked myself in my house uh, so my other half steph she's down in cornwall with her parents right. uh, and i and i just said you know perhaps it's best if you go down there and i, I stay at the house mm. uh, and so I've, I've you know i've not been out for 10 days jesus right yeah um, I, yeah and um you must be getting to the end of your period of self-isolation so at least you can you know. yeah i might you know might venture out at some point um yeah but uh it's, it's odd going from being uh, in, in an environment where uh you you know it's incredibly social to not seeing anybody you know yeah um exactly because I, I, I haven't touched a human since i was in new zealand i mean that seems really odd <laughs> it's so funny because you know this theme of isolation has very much been bouncing around my head because obviously like i say this project that you spent um, some some years doing which became the book empire you know it's very much partly about that because these tiny little communities that you visited and there was four different islands, Ascension, St. Helena, Tristan de Kuna, Fort, the Falklands. You know, yeah. when, when you look at the images, that feeling of kind of extreme isolation very much comes across to me. Um, and I always feel kind of, there's something about it that makes me feel really kind of, kind of lonely and depressed immediately. But I mean, I, did, you, did you have that experience? Like when you went to these places, did you find it kind of restful in a way to decompress and be so far away from, from everywhere else? Or, or, or did you struggle with, with that at all? I'm, I'm actually pretty good I'm by myself. You know, I'm quite happy and content. But actually, you go to these places and, you know, you go somewhere like Tristan and it's kind of that notion of if you don't have bars and cafes and restaurants to go to you, you just make your own fun and that's exactly what they do and, and you yeah. kind of become part of that and and it's a little bit like the situation at the moment you know people can't go places so you, you have to generate your own fun yeah. and and it, it you know i've actually had better conversations in the last week with people that with you know good friends who live in different parts of the world than that i have in a long time it's been lovely Right, yeah, because people are starting to talk to each other again, which is something I think we'd all kind of uh, got into the habit of not doing. You know, I think one thing I felt before I went on the ship was uh, I just felt busy. You know, my mind was busy all the time. And uh, I think I just felt like it was becoming really unproductive and I needed to kind of step back a bit and um, and actually going aboard an environment where, you know, the internet is so bad that it's not really worth using. So you just kind of, you know... I, you'd see that you had an email from somebody but you couldn't read it uh and so actually it was quite nice you know to just not have that you know i'd sort of mm. switch off completely you don't have phone signal you, you don't have anything you know, yeah and that, that, that was, was very much my the- my intention I, I mean that was a kind of conscious um thought for me before i went and um you know actually then you go and you realize just how hard it is to suddenly break these habits and you know you are finding yourself you know, trying to get internet when there really isn't any. And uh, yeah, I did my best and I think I did okay. I did, I did decompress a bit. I was two weeks uh, on the thing and uh, yeah, it was pretty nice actually in a way to, to have that option, but also to have people around if you want them kind of thing. It's a kind of best of both worlds in a way. Yeah. I think the only thing I struggled with was um, if I quickly explain when, when you get on this ship, they give you, uh, so I'm on the ship with, uh, four i think there were four other hold on one two you know five other guest speakers 
and they were all naturalists and you know sort of uh, scientists and, and naturalists who would be talking about uh, coral reef or the sort of aquatic life uh, that you might find within the coral reefs that you might be snorkeling in in the next day and, and you know so a lot of what they were talking about or they'd be talking about maybe climate change or uh, you know the environmental work that they do as marine biologists um, and everybody had these lanyards around you have this lanyard that's sort of bright orange around your neck yeah and so everybody thinks that i'm a marine, a marine biologist um, so uh, you know I'd, I'd get up in the morning and i'd go for breakfast and you kind of sit down and you're, you're just trying to wake yourself up with a cup of coffee and stuff and then somebody might come and sit and ask me a very detailed question about coral reef right. <laughs> you know I, I felt like i just kept letting everybody down because i really didn't have yeah, a good answer for them just a photographer you're kind <laughs> of the, uh, photographer. the odd man out yeah yeah sort of you know dying for a question on lenses yeah <laughs> or, yeah or not. but you become a sort of uh, almost like an onboard um a kind of semi-celebrity in a way and people people do get to know you once they've been to one or two of your of your talks i imagine you went down very well john because um you know you you have got some good tales to tell i imagine from all that all those trips to uh, various uh, remote places so how did your initial idea for that project come to you sorry are we talking uh, back to empire i'm sorry yes we are talking back to empire so i'm all back. over the place no no i forgive you oh it was it was part of a master's it was part of my ma at, at lcc that that started oh right okay a long long time ago and it was you know i uh, i was studying the ma in journalism and documentary photography and it was a i guess i was trying to look for a project uh it, it was a project that i wanted to be quite british orientated but I just, I just didn't want to stay at home i wanted to travel and you know i've, I've always just had a lust for travel and mm. yeah, so at the time it was kind of i was looking for opportunities to do something along those lines and um one of the lads i was studying with he you know we we sort of started talking about ascension island and uh so that that was it really it was it was very much a uh you know i was just going to look at ascension island and go and find out what community was like, you know, on a, on a place that's quite controlled and quite difficult to, you know, you can't have a citizenship there. There's no right of abode there. So I kind of thought, well, that's mm. interesting in itself. And yeah, that's very you know, weird. How, how do you have a normality on an Island like that when, you know, you, you can't really run a business and, um, you can't own property and, and so on. Mm. Uh, it's a really sort of oddly transitional Island to, to live on. Yeah. Uh, so that that's where it started you know that was that was what it was all about and then that it kind of snowballed after that because if you go to ascension and anybody that has been to ascension will know that quite a lot of st helenians live there mm. and so they kept saying to me well you can't go to ascension and not go to st helena and so it kind of had this snowball effect right right yeah so it just expanded from there yeah like- i mean you know i had no idea that it was going to become what it you know the book that it ended up becoming you know it was one of those things that you know i'm not such a research heavy photographer shall we say no, no, no. <laughs> you sort of uh yeah see what's there but i mean how did you in the in the end manage to to fund the whole project because getting to remote places is is eye-wateringly expensive m- most of the time much more so than one would uh, even imagine um so like did you have to just scrape the money together from different sources or what 
Yeah, it was it was just anything really. I, I was trying to think back. I, I think when uh, when I was doing the masters, I'd, I'd done a I'd taken out like a career development loan. Right. Previously to that, I was working as a uh, like a staff photographer at a local newspaper in the Midlands, mm. and so I took a loan to try and advance, you know, <laughs> broaden my horizons, if you like. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I just used what what was left out of that to to travel, and uh, so that was the first trip. And then, you know, there was quite gaps between the, the various trips, so it would be, um, you know, shooting whatever I could at the time, uh, you know, event stuff or uh, editorial, which. Um, isn't ever going to sort of, I don't know, make me rich. Uh, no. I don't think. Um, you know, I was doing everything. I was shooting weddings. I was shooting, you know, whatever you could to make to make money. You know, any commercial work I could. And then uh, as as the years started to progress, I started to do a bit more commercial work, and that was the better aid towards you know going mm. out to some of the some of the journeys. But yeah. every trip was you know sort of done on a bit of a shoestring, and. You know, I'd sort of contact local tourism and ask them, you know, uh, you know, if they if I did some work for them, you know, would they give me free accommodation or would they do this or do that? And so it was all kind of a, a patch together of, of whatever I could to make it work. Yeah. Um, when I was on St. Helena, they asked the t- tourism office asked if I would photograph every bar and pub on the island, uh, and I had it was a, the first trip was a ten day trip, and I had to do this sort of job where i photographed every bar and pub on St. Helena, but they're basically they're dead they're, there isn't enough people to sort of populate these places if you're lucky they'll be busy on a saturday night uh, but the rest of the week there's not a lot going on so i quite literally had to fill a car with people and drive them around the island on this really peculiar pub crawl um just for a brief period the St. Helena tourism board was um <laughs> just these same five people yeah. uh, in, in every bar oh, around cool. St. Helena. It was ridiculous. That's, that's crazy. But, you know. So what was your ultimate takeaways from those, from those trips in terms of like, I don't know, did you, did you come away from that with an appreciation of your own kind of life in a way? Um, or, 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 you know, did you, did you come to appreciate, you know, what's appealing about, living that kind of very particular and, and weird sort of existence? I think that disconnect is quite lovely. And, I, you know, I, you certainly start to uh, appreciate different things when you go out to these places. And I don't know, it's, it's all probably going to start sounding really cliche, but I, th- I think, you know, for example, when you leave Cape Town and um, you could, you know, so you'd fly down to Cape Town at the, at the time. So when I was going to somewhere like St. Helena, you'd have to get the ship up from, from down there. Uh, now they've got an airport that uh, on, on St. Helena, so you can fly. But anyway, so you'd sit on this ship and it would sail away and you'd just watch your phone signal die and then it would go. And I always kind of found it this lovely breath of fresh air. It was like, oh, great. Mm. You know, it was like, I really liked it, you know, and, and that idea of... Um, you can't use that anymore. You know, mm. I, sort of, I do find it. Um, I, f- I have found before I was going away to, on the cruise this time, I was actually getting something known as trigger, uh, trigger thumb, which is like, uh, my thumb cracks when I bend it and it's from using your bloody phone all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so that, that disconnect is lovely and it, it kind of, 
I think when you go somewhere with the intention of making work and you've got these parameters, you know, which would be in this case, the sea around the, around the island you're on, um, it kind of gives you these limitations and it kind of helps me to, uh, be more creative. I think, mm. you know, it's, it's a bit like when people say, just stick with one camera and one, uh, you know, one body and one lens or what have you, you know, those limitations make you more creative, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you meet um, the kind of younger population in these places, do they have a, a kind of longing to escape or are they generally pretty pretty content? Because I think I heard you describing them as being utterly content in that uh, environment, even though you would, or one might imagine that they'd be keen to maybe explore the, the wider world. I would say it's a mixed bag. Mm. And I think it depends on your environment there so i think a a simple uh casing point would be tristan where you know they're, they're really really isolated community and and there isn't such a curiosity for the outside world but uh I, I know that when they suddenly had television out there you know they were suddenly having dallas and eastenders on tv then um when that arrived i think that gave people a curiosity to see somewhere else Mm. Um, but I did sort of pose this question to some of the lads once, you know, these guys were sort of 18, 19 and they were just hanging out one night and I just said, do you guys not get bored here? And, and they just said, no, there's too much to do. Mm. And you know, they, for them, they, they were busy all the time doing stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I just really like that. You know, they, they'd never sit still at home. They'd be off either you know, having a barbecue somewhere or they'd be doing work, helping somebody fix their roof or they'd be, you know, it's all very practical stuff. And mm. um, I don't know, you just, they just seem pretty content, but at the same time, I would imagine some of the other islands and you, you know, people do get curious and want to leave and go elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I know on St. Helena, a lot of people have kind of got, I think maybe with the airport being there as well, you know, they've got this kind of, uh, urge to to fly places and see you know see what's going on elsewhere i think there's quite a strong connection with cape town for st alenians for example and then tell me about this vanuto project that you're sort of i think already or, or still in the in the midst of um what what sort of drew you to that as a location to explore so vanuatu is what is known as uh well, what was previously known as the new hebrides so that which is out in the south pacific um, I just had, had a bit of an interest in this sort of cargo cult phenomena that's out there. And I kind of wanted to see if there was a way of making an interesting body work about it. Um, so I've what been, is that? so basically, so this is a project that I've been working in collaboration with, uh, a writer called Christopher Lord. So we've been working together for quite a while now, uh, on, on this particular project. And, uh, we, started looking at you know we went out there a number of years ago to try and see um if you know this this sort of cargo cult phenomena was was something that would be interesting so basically it's this in a nutshell it's something that's manifested from these remote islands receiving visitors from the outside and if you go back far enough you, you kind of got uh christian missionaries uh particularly from europe coming to the south pacific and the probably 20s and 30s uh, and then the also the British and French 
colonial governments that arrived there and you know and sort of named it uh, the New Hebrides. And so quite a lot of the islanders were persecuted for just believing what they would normally believe and um, you know were sort of forced to change their ways of, of living and their, and their traditional sort of custom beliefs and whatnot. And you kind of have arrivals that were coming in and you had uh, the, the American war efforts of sort of the, uh, when during the second world war, when you had the Americans fighting against the Japanese in the South Pacific, uh, parts of Vanuatu were used as, as bases for, for the American troops where they would build huge infrastructure so uh, you know runways and harbors, which which appeared almost overnight, and this was quite a spectacle for the people that lived a very uh, simplistic lifestyle there. You know they'd never seen such technology arrive on the island, and so what happened was through a number of encounters, you know these uh, a lot of the islanders were quite impressed by what they saw, and these these stories then got fed back to the other more remote islands and. Uh, you know the stories change and they evolve and for whatever reason there became this uh, sort of rebellion if you like uh, it was kind of a, a movement to to kind of push away the colonial governments and, and some of the missionaries that were there uh, and this kind of in, you know so there's this kind of belief of, of an, an outsider coming to the island and typically a, a white outsider coming to the islands um, and in some cases it manifested as an american gi known as john frum so there's this you know it's kind of this anthropological wet dream of a story that i think has you know been documented for for many many years and um yeah i just kind of went out there to see if it could become uh you know an interesting story so chris and i traveled out there to see what would happen Mm. um you know the the cargo element of this is you know they're, they're waiting for development to come to the island. You know they uh, there was a belief that the uh, that they saw all this cargo arriving on ships and planes, and they believed that that cargo was for them. You know this development was for them, but they thought that it was being withheld by the British and French government. They thought they were stopping it, um, so they believed that if they uh, reenacted some of the uh, Americans' behaviour, that, that then the cargo would come to them. And so that's, that's how some of the stories go. But it's kind of manifested in a number of different ways out there, you know, across both Vanuatu and Papua New Guinea. Mm, interesting. So where where are you with that? Are, are you are you intending to go back, or uh, are you kind of finished going there? Uh, well, it's, it's actually been a little bit of time since I was there last. Uh, the the story is quite complicated, and it um, it. it so I've been out there quite a number of times, probably four times now. Um, it, it basically got really interesting when we went out there and we came across a couple of characters that were kind of turning up, pretending to be fulfillments of prophecy uh, and claiming to be uh, royalty on the island. And and so really the story for us has, has been about, uh, you know, the, the people that turn up to try and be something that they're perhaps not back home. That's, that's kind of the, the, the most interesting part of it for us. Mm. Um, you know, we, we met a chap who, uh, turned up with the, with some of the, uh, to one of the groups, that, uh, these group, these guys that believe that the Americans GI is a messiah out there. And he, he turned up and kind of did everything that the prophecy was asking, um, but didn't go quite as far as saying that he was the prophecy, 
um, and said, but it's up for them to decide, you know, and, and there's sort of, so a few sort of strange things come of that. And, um, yeah, so at the moment we're just trying to establish how we can turn this into a, you know, tell that story and, and, and turn it into an interesting book. What else have you got on the go then? Are you, um, you're going to be impacted like everyone else by the current situation. Um, have you had uh, work cancelled in the last week or two or you do you anticipate that happening in the next week or two um for me yeah just a couple of a couple of shoots around here were cancelled um and yeah one of the main things you know i've I've been sort of doing this little sideline project of um it's kind of ironic really uh so I, uh, i i wanted to do something that was a bit more close to home you know it's start you know the idea of always needing to be somewhere far away to make work just started to get a bit ridiculous in my mind and I wanted to be able to make work here. Mm. So I, I started uh, just as a really simplistic task of just trying to make these large group photographs of, of pubs, um, you know, sort of picking, particularly in Bath, you know, the arch- architecturally, they're such amazing buildings. And so I started photographing uh, and arranging these sort of quite large group portraits uh outside pubs you know and, and uh, it sounds i don't know it's just a really good laugh basically group uh, portraits of the, of the of the customers of the customers the the people who work there you know everybody that you know it's kind of uh, everybody that's part of the community of that pub so it you know it could be sort of 40 50 people uh and i you know one of the bars mm-hmm. one of the one of my favorite pubs around here that they have this um like a a flat roof on the pub and so I, we set up a pretend band on the roof and you know right. had people hanging out of windows and stuff it was just all just for a bit of a laugh and yeah so uh, because, yeah. so it's a project it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a project that involves getting large groups of people close together right it's <laughs> it's the least appropriate project for this current situation that you can imagine absolutely yeah so just before i was going away I, you know i was trying to put wheels in motion for april and may to to arrange some more you know elaborate group portraits and um <laughs> of course <laughs> uh it just seems ridiculous when i think about it uh, yeah so all of that is just on. you know on on hold for the foreseeable uh maybe i'll photograph like a, a lonely landlord just sat outside by himself well uh, yeah maybe you have to uh you know adapt it accordingly yeah there's a twist there somewhere but so yeah that, that was another thing i've been indulging myself in and it was it was just really a nice chance to do something uh, really, just really enjoyable, you know. Uh, mm. I've got I actually get quite a lot out of it, and all the the people that have uh, been part of it have had a good laugh as well. It just, just yeah, feels yeah. nice for a change, you know. Yeah, yeah. What is your main kind of bread and butter? Are you? I know you've you know you do a bit of everything, but um, uh, is it mainly kind of commercial um, jobs, commissions, or uh, you know are you still? doing a certain amount of editorial work how does it how does it break down for you these days i find it really tricky because every year seems to be different and yeah so you kind of you know some years you'll be you'll get involved in a few commercial gigs that you know uh that you'll do and then you'll be doing your own personal work uh and then i'm sort of doing a bit more teaching as well not Mm. a huge amount but a little bit um and then 
yeah, that balancing with, with everything else, you know, sort of trying to sell prints and so on. It's it's just sort of a it's the the odd balance that it is. Um I started working with a an agency uh, commercially. Um so, you know, we we're sort of planning lots of bits and bobs and um right. trying trying to see what'll come out of that. So yeah, it's it's I guess it's just sort of trying to find trying to find a suitable balance. Yeah. Do you have any impulse to, you know, react to this uh covid um situation in terms of photographs or no <laughs> um, <laughs> because everyone's ask everyone's asking themselves that question right yeah 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 do i do uh, i do i do something on this or do i just fucking stay home and <laughs> and uh, find uh, shit to do you, you know what? did you did you see the tweet by james blunt uh no i don't think i did so he he said uh, he's he's noticed how lots of um, lots of pop artists are are doing lots of concerts from their own home. Yeah. Uh, he said, "I'll do you all a favour, and I won't." <laughs> that's a that's a that's a man who's um, prepared to uh, you know take the piss out of himself, and he's aware of uh, uh, the fact that other people are very um, quick to because uh, he's one of those unfortunate people who gets a lot of stick but um, i admire his um self-awareness there absolutely i, I think he's uh, i think he's hilarious um I, gosh i don't know but yeah. really uh I, it's funny because the last week I've, I've kind of gone from uh you know I, I came back i just it's you know coming back with jet lag is horrible when you have to sit at home mm. I try and all I, normally I just try and busy myself so that I forget about it and then uh, but instead I've just been sort of dropping off at four o'clock in the afternoon yeah. and then waking up and then eventually going back to bed and not sleeping and uh, well it sounds like it just sounds given the current situation it's not that you know you can sort of consider yourself fairly normal because you just got one layer of weirdness on top of another really yeah 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 I mean justified naps is, is pretty good isn't it what is justified naps you know just sort of four o'clock oh, yeah, yeah. have a little sleep yeah yeah of course yeah because you just you're jet lagged i mean i came back from guam via seoul and then abu dhabi and then to london so you know i was i didn't know which way i was up by the time i flew into heathrow i mean i was i was just a total mess that was a brutal piece of routing from whoever whoever decided to put me through that not that i'm not that i'm complaining obviously it was a, it was actually it was, a, it was actually pretty cool experience all in all i it's funny i, I booked all of my own travel for that for the cruise trip because uh, I, I just kind of wanted to be in control of where i was going and oh, right. um and now i'm kind of wishing that they just booked it all for me because i'm trying to get refunds and uh reimbursed for all sorts of things at the moment it's hilarious oh god yeah so um have you like is this current um weirdness um sort of making you in some way think forward to the, to the future and and you know sort of focus your mind on what you might want to you know do once it's all over in terms of photography or anything else in for that matter um i think i think it's interesting it's sort of if you it's, there's obviously this horrid layer of, of stress and anxiety for a lot of people and i've had very interesting responses from different people i spoke to in terms of 
how people react to it. And so some are, are very much, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of panicking and they're, and they're, they're really worried. And, and then other people are, are very much uh, just taking it in their stride and just seeing how it goes. Obviously, that's it's so different for everybody because some might be very heavily affected by this and, and some might be in such isolation uh, that, it, that, you know, it, they are literally staying at home and then watching it disappear. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think I could look, you could look at it if you, if you took away the fact that, you know, there is a pandemic happening from the perspective purely of you're spending a lot of time at home and you're not working uh, or you're, you know, you've very much had a massive shift in how you work, then maybe it's a time to kind of reset yourself and, and, you know, have a good think about things mm. yeah. uh, and, and think about, you know, what you do well and what you don't do well. And, you know, I'm pretty aware of my, um, you know, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and I think, for example, trying to create a routine when you're just at home is interesting. Gotcha. And, it's a challenge. You know, for some people, you know, quite often for me, I might be at home for a couple of weeks just working from home. So it's not that abnormal. Mm. But at the same time, you know, at the moment as it stands i can't pop down to the shops 20 meters from my house uh so i'm having to you know ask my friends around here if they'll they'll do me a favor and go pick me things up you know so yeah yeah yeah. it's it's a certain shift in um in routine isn't it yeah and i think you know a lot of us are used to like you say i mean i'm similar i'm i'm very used to just sort of pottering about and and not necessarily really seeing many people you know over the course of a week or whatever and I'll, i'll spend a lot of time at home just doing stuff from here obviously the podcast gets me out of the house because i i normally do these face to face and which is currently not an option but to me it's pretty much meat and drink to be sort of just ligging about on my own but i think those people who are used to being out there constantly they might have you know three or four jobs a week um out in the world and just used to kind of running on, you know, running on adrenaline the whole time. I think those people yeah. are probably going to be the ones who are suddenly struggling because yeah. first of all, they're used to, you know, having that work. So, you know, if they've got a lot of outgoings, they've suddenly uh, got to um, figure out how the hell they're going to survive that. Whereas if you kind of, yeah, yeah, if you have to run lean all the time, it's not so bad in a way. I think people will be affected in so many ways, depending on where they are and, you know, where I am in Bath, it sort of, it feels pretty straightforward. Uh, you know, I, I kind of go from sort of everything to nothing, you know, I'll, I'll sort of be off doing a, a trip that will be quite intense and full on. And then I'll, I'll be home and doing, you know, trying to adjust back to doing very little. Uh, and that, that, you know, that you kind of get better as the years go by, uh, at, at, at transitioning with that, you know, you, you kind of, you accept that you have a few days of weird and then, mm. You know, and you you kind of have to give yourself a break, and uh, you know, just kind of, it's just that that notion of being kind of good to yourself, and and um, yeah, not not you know, I'm quite good, I'm quite quick to berate myself for not getting things done, and I, I think you know, uh, I think you have to kind of give yourself a bit of a break and just say yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, well, especially now. Yeah, no, I I put a thing on Facebook. I mean, now, now is a huge example of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sorry, there is, no, no, I just put a thing on Facebook, which was a sort of one of those stupid memes when it was like, you know, it's okay to be not entirely productive in the middle of a fucking global pandemic, you know, for those yeah. people who are currently beating themselves up 
But I think it is a good time to sort of take stock uh, to some extent and, um, you know, start writing that novel or, or whatever. Well, you know, I, I, <laughs> oh, this sounds ridiculous. I, I, I videoed a bee today. <laughs> mainly because because um uh my other half Steph she's she's an ecologist and uh so she's far more concerned about how the garden's doing in her absence and uh <laughs> so I, I have to send her updates of what's you know what's growing and what isn't right so but you're allowed to pretty... you can you can go and do a bit of gardening right yeah I was watering the plants earlier it was great you know I'm sort of taking um it it's so funny. Like a, my, my routine is, is now become, I know that the sun is on the front of the house from half seven till nine thirty, So I can sit out there and then afternoon it's in my garden. So I'll sit out there. Nice. Yeah. That doesn't uh, sound too bad. No, it's, 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 it's really privileged and I'm hugely aware of that. And, uh, you know, I, I had a, a message from Chris who, you know, the writer I mentioned I'm working with, you know, he's in London, he works for Radio 4, and uh, he's, I think he's been listed as a key worker because of his job within Radio 4, and uh, he just he just says, you know, it's a bit of a mess down there, and um, I don't know, I, I, I don't know how it's working for you, or what the atmosphere's like down there. Mm. Well, um, it's definitely weird, I mean... <sighs> you know you kind of get in this weird kind of uh, feedback loop you know of your own making in a way and you and you know kind of obsessively checking the uh latest news and all that kind of thing but then you go for a walk and then because you know one is allowed to go for a walk obviously i mean i've 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 been i've been running a bit and stuff you know you can go and do your kind of allocated exercise and you know there's people about and you kind of go oh well actually it's weird because there's still a lot of normality happening um, mm. amidst the abnormality. And so it's kind of slightly kind of disconcerting. But um, my, I've got a 10-year-old son. He's with his mum, uh, lives with his mum normally, obviously, but I see him, you know, pretty much daily for the most part. And then I suddenly realised, because I've got this cough, I was like, oh, I really should be just staying home, even though I know I've had this cough for weeks so unless I've had COVID-19 for weeks, then it is just yeah. a cough. <laughs> but so, you know, I gonna, this week's been a bit weird. I, I probably will just get through the weekend and then I'll see him again next week. I don't know. It's, you know, we're all having to kind of figure this stuff out, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 again, you know, for me, you know, I'm aware of how straightforward life is. And I think, you know, exactly like you said, you know, uh, when you have children and particularly if, uh, you know, they, they, you know, if, you, if the if your mom mom and dad aren't together, so the the situation that that creates is is quite complicated. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, and, it is. And you know, my my mom and dad are up in the West Midlands, uh, and I've just bullied them into staying in. Mm. Um, my brother lives up there too, so I've, I've he's the you know he's the uh, he's the police for me up there. Oh, that's good. He's keeping them uh, on straight and narrow. Yeah, we're doing our best. Um, and, uh, and, and to kind of alleviate, you know, their sort of feelings of having to stay in all the time, which is no big deal for them because they've got a massive garden. Um, I've just, you know, we've been having more Skype chats and things like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. 
pulling in distant relatives from <laughs> other countries to chat to them and stuff and it's kind of made them feel better but you know it's uh, they're not the people and and the duress at the moment it's kind of weird that it's taken this global pandemic to kind of get people to reconnect with each other in a way, you know, in a, in a direct way rather than sort of indirectly through these, you know, weird digital channels that we've created. Mm. So last Friday night uh, was, was a joint chat between myself, uh, a friend of mine in Boston and another friend in the Czech Republic. And, the, the difference of what's going on in each country is quite interesting as well. You know, the sort of the, the varying uh, parameters that have been put in place. Yeah. I also have a friend who's uh, basically stuck in South Africa at the moment. Um, and I heard today that they've, they've put on a full lockdown and nobody's allowed to drink either. Oh, God. So al- alcohol is banned. In uh, South Africa? Probably. Yeah, yeah Jesus. Uh, so supermarkets you, uh, are remaining open, but they're banning all sale of alcohol. I mean, it's kind of turning out to be a staple diet. Yeah, I mean, that's just plain inhumane. You know, yeah, you, 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 take, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's bad enough. Don't take the booze away from the equation. Obviously, there are, yeah. you know, many people in the world who, who for whom alcohol is not a thing. And I understand that. But um, in those cultures yeah, yeah. where we um, we do drink it, then, um, you know, the more the mirror, really. All right, John. So we're, we're going to do these um, member only additional 20 questions that I, I now do with everyone but um, thank you so much for chatting with me and um, I hope you get I, re- wasn't, I wasn't busy no me neither funnily <laughs> enough I hope, you, I hope you sort of reconnect with the other half at some point soon that would be that would be nice for you I imagine yeah um, absolutely thank you uh, but beyond that you know keep busy somehow you're obviously pretty good at dealing with isolation so I imagine you're you know you should be sort of i don't know sending out tips to the rest of us in a way i think the uh, i think the take home thing is you know that there are so many things you can control and you can't and i think i'm just going to worry about the things that i can control because yeah, that's is that's a good way to, to live yeah all right john thank you so much sir Cheers, no thanks mate thanks very much <laughs>